This is the Mentors for Military podcast. Hey guys, if you're a big fan of the podcast and enjoy the content and our guest, you can go out and become a patron at our Patreon site. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash mentors, the number four M-I-L. And we want to give a big shout out to Jonathan Lambert. On this show, we've got Marty and Patrick, both from Task and Purpose. And we're going to be talking about the topic of uh, perception versus reality. And I guess the best way to talk and kick this thing off is going back in the very early days of news media. You know, we had maybe an hour worth of news that might come on twice a day. You might get it early in the morning when the television kicked on. And uh, then, of course, before, you know, in the evening news, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock time frame or something, um, and the television would go off, you know, about midnight. And you get this funny-looking thing on your screen. Somewhere around uh, 1979, I want to say ESPN changed everything because when we started going more to cable type of, uh, you know, TV and everything else, ESPN came along and decided, hey, we're going to start showing sports for 24 hours. And I remember when that came about, all of us were thinking, how in the hell are they going to actually show sports 24 hours? There's not that much of sports to show, you know, thinking that games are typically played in prime time. So why would we be watching television at two o'clock in the morning of some sport or something? And of course, it was stupid sports that they would show at that time frame. But since then, CNN, you know, MSNBC, Fox News, all these different media outlets started doing the exact same thing when they started coming on board to the cable world in the cable space. And so nowadays we're inundated with everybody trying to do 24 hour news and be the first to report it. Now, I don't know what you guys thoughts on what I just said, but it seems like there is this mass craze now and the rush to, to put out the news means that you don't always have solid information, quality information. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, first thing I want, I want to kick off with is Marty and I, we do not work together. He's, he's at coffee or die uh, magazine. We tried to get him and he told us to go F ourselves, which I won't say. <laughs> is, and I'm not going to go with it, uh, but we are still great friends. He, he's a wonderful human and uh, he's a great hugger. So I just want to lead with that. Uh, and actually, in terms of what you're saying with the, the nighttime blank time, that's actually how the first infomercial started with Kevin Harrington. He he bought some time on, I think, Discovery Channel back in the 70s, and he made a ton of money advertising to shift workers at night for like really crappy products. Um, I saw him speak about it. It was really cool. Uh, but in today, like kind of segueing back to, to what you were you were talking about originally, in my opinion, with the 24-hour news network and whatnot, I think it's a mix of there's an urge to be first to report, but I think influencers have taken a bigger role now um, in online personalities. Like kind of pundits have moved to Instagram and pundits have moved to Facebook. And the ability for misinformation to spread so quickly, especially amongst the veteran groups, is insane. And it concerns me a lot. And um, I will do one plug. We are hosting a military uh, influencer panel in D.C. on April 18th, Task and Purposes. We have Donnie O'Malley on it. Awesome. The whole point is to talk about social media influencers with what they post and, the, you know, if they cause misinformation, like, I mean, that's kind of uncool. But I do think it's a, so back to what you said, I think it's a mix of rushing to report, but I think it's also now there's so many personalities and people who I sometimes think don't deserve a voice having such a loud voice just creating um, this type of misinformation. Well, well, you know, if I can speak louder than you, then then I'm going to empower the room, right? That's that's the right way to do this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that, that's the way it works, right? <laughs> uh, it's actually how I found you, Eric. Uh, so, like Eric, uh, we did this campaign with Rip It and to give away twenty thousand dollars on Veterans Day, and Eric made a video pushing it, and I saw Eric's content, and I thought like we need more Eric's in terms of influencers. We need more influencers who are putting out positive embodiment. And I know Marty, you talked about the importance in your mind of mentoring, essentially like the youth and the communities and. I think we, we kind of lack that right now with the military influencer space. Yeah. I mean, number one, if you're getting your news from social media influencers, then you're probably wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, social media influencers <laughs> yeah. are great entertainers. And, and I, you know, uh, a lot of times can spread super positive messages. Um, and I think that they're overall a value add to our society. That being said, I mean, you shouldn't be going there for your news. 
Um, I would actually argue that for the most part, you shouldn't be going to the 24 hour news networks for your news either for all of the aforementioned re uh, reasons. I think that if you want to be uh, informed and accurately informed, you should be reading your news um, because there is, if you're reading it, that means it's gone through multiple layers of editors mm -hmm. and vetting and all this other stuff. Whereas a lot of times, even on the major broadcast um, news stations, there's not as many layers. And it is a rush to fill that time and, and fill the time on TV. Whereas um, the articles, whether you're looking at the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or or even small, you know, smaller operations like um, Task and Purpose or, you know, like when I was at Task and Purpose, it was you had multiple editors that you went through and that doesn't guarantee that there will never be a mistake, but it does uh, provide at least a little bit more of a filter than maybe oh, the average sorry. social me social media influencers. And speaking of the social media influencers, I mean, that you've got those people out there that when they started getting the followers on Twitter or whatever social media outlet that they're using, you're absolutely right. All of a sudden they felt like they had a voice because people would comment or they'd keep, you know, liking what they said or they'd egg them on or, or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. And I, I saw a couple accounts where they were veteran accounts and they started then posting more about um, their opinions on certain things, whether it was about the politics or religion of the day or whatever the case. And when you tried to, you know, reach out to them and say, hey, man, you might want to, you know, dial it down a little bit or something. They got really upset at somebody even challenging them. I mean, who are you now to to come to me, this person who has, you know, 500,000 followers right now, and these people are looking for my opinion. Yeah. Following with what Marty was talking about, I think it was a couple months ago I saw on HBO uh, a subject about like people globally looking uh, at like Facebook, for instance. It, Facebook was the uh, target on this conversation that people looked at Facebook for their uh, news and how they're not supposed to, but this is what, you know, the state of our world is. And so, you know, can people be held responsible for the way that they report uh, certain uh, current events? See, that's actually, that's a tough road to go down. That's a double-edged sword for me. The idea, right. yeah, because, I mean, I started learn, learning about journalism when I came to Task and Purpose, and I'm not a journalist. I'm not a writer. I do video, and I, you know, make silly videos about how pooping your pants is a life lesson. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, just, Which was it, amazing. Funny. I was actually yeah. trying to make fun of, like, people who just, like, I just, I, I hate all that. Like, I, And I get it. There's such a place for, like, um, I don't know combat lessons but like i don't have any of those i was a very mediocre underwhelming marine so like all the lessons i have are from pooping myself uh drinking too much making mistakes eating the wrong pizza and getting food poisoning but all uh, my war stories i stole from paul martinez <laughs> nice <Yeah. laughs> i like to borrow valor um yeah, but to borrowed what, valor. i borrow it borrow I, give, I always valor. give it back i always give it back um but to what marty um oh man i lost my track okay i'm sorry to what marty was saying about task and purpose and coming here in the different editors, that was when I first started learning about journalism. It was right around the time the Marines United scandal had just like hit the New York Times and whatnot. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, actually, um, I was the one who went into the group because they let me in because I was Patrick from Ranger Up at the time. They had, nobody knew that I went to task purpose. <laughs> yeah. So I was like screenshotting. I mean, the group was insane. And I was screenshotting this stuff and sharing it with our writer. And even our writer, like everything had to be super vetted before it was published because it had to, be, <clears throat> had to be accurate. And even when you do that, as Mari said, mistakes do happen. Like they have happened. It's just the backlash that you get from people right now because they're so untrusting of the media and they don't see what happens behind the scenes that someone is getting like their asshole ripped apart for that. Like somebody is getting their ass chewed and like potentially fired over those things. Um, they just see fake news and like just distrust of the media. And it actually does kind of hurt as someone who's so close to it now, because I've become friends with journalists at the times and other publications, they really do not get paid well. And their entire existence is telling stories and telling accurately. Um, and I think it's just like to the military, your Intel is only as good as your source. Yeah. You know, and like you can get such great human Intel and then find out later it was all off, you know? Um, but you still did the entire process correctly. Uh, did I do this right? But I, I think that's what's making it so hard for journalism today is right now they're under the biggest microscope they've probably been under uh, 
decades. Everybody probably saw the Prince William photograph where um, it looked like he was flipping a bird and everything to the reporters and stuff. And it was all due to the angle of the camera. And everybody, you know, that went viral. And everybody was saying, oh, my God, I can't believe the Prince of Wales actually did this and the whole bit. And then, of course, they showed the other angle in a different camera. And he's holding up three fingers. You know, and it, the camera angle only caught the one. And so it, it looked something totally different. And much is the same thing about this young kid that, uh, you know, everything went viral on him and such, you know, when he had the, the Native American incident and, you know, the whole bit. It's just that whole perception. You were talking about the double-edged sword, Patrick, and that's sort of where we're at, where if you report something incorrectly, you may get crucified you know, professionally, and you already have consequences to deal with. But Mm -hmm. now I have access to this whole democratic process on social media where we're all voting with our likes and our dislikes and our comments. And we may, you know, go out and witch hunt you and you're done. You're lynched. Your career is over because of one, one misstep. And you've, you already work within an institute that's holding you accountable for those things. And as you know, somebody who comments on social media, the same thing can happen. You know, all of a sudden this nation is embroiled over something that's an argument between a, a high schooler on a field trip and, a, and an, an activist in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. And there's nothing more inconsequential in the world, but we're all voting on it on social media. And we all have to voice our opinions. And it's there's no accountability for that. You know, people's lives are being destroyed mm-hmm. by this. And, uh, and not only that, but we expect our news sources to be vetted, like you said. And that's not the case anymore, just because it's something shiny on your Facebook feed and it looks polished and professionally uh, yeah. produced doesn't mean that it's it's credible at all. And so it's it's an interesting place to be because your words can have so much power. I mean, I could see something that Eric posts and repost it with a criticism and all of a sudden it's viral. And now Eric's getting fired and mm-hmm. people are saying he's, you know, whatever terrible thing that he he did because he, he made these few statements you know in in one moment and he could sue you for libel or you know or those types of things but the problem then is is that information that bullet's already left the chamber it's already out there you know that misinformation is already gone and will the rebuttal and the information that comes out afterwards have the same type of you know viral spread as the initial information that's the that's the question then yeah and i mean when and when i was thinking about that double-edged sword too i also think about um people now want more well it seems uh from what i've what i've read that people want more legal recourse against news publications if they mm. feel that <laughs> is incorrect and there is already recourse i mean if somebody prints blatant lines about you you can absolutely sue them right Here, but, here's like, the thing that like people don't understand is there's a different so there's a lot of people that think that they're you know we talk about like legal recourses against news organizations and journalists and things like that the difference that i run into with a lot of people on this is as you said, you can already sue over libel or slander. The thing is, is that the majority of the time, nine, I would say 99% of the time, the thing that people are getting upset about isn't libel or stand, slander. It's just something that they don't like. Yes. Or they don't feel like the entire story was told or something. You can mm-hmm. say truths while omitting other truths. And I would argue that a good journalistic integrity uh, means that you're not doing that. But, you know, yep. plenty of people do it. All the major news organizations do it. That being said, though, you can't sue somebody for omitting truth. Mm. If what they're mm. saying is true, there's nothing you can do about that. And it's like people, if you're going to offer um, some mm. sort of law or legislation that limits uh, or, or, or offers legal recourse for people not telling all of truth. the mitigating, like, where do you draw the line with that? You, and, right. and when does it start to infringe on your First Amendment rights, which I would argue are as important as any of the other bill of bill of rights including the second amendment right that's why task and purpose sells a 1a hat just a quick plug right there it's on the store going along with this oh sorry go ahead i think going back into the truth it's all about perception my truth might be different from your truth because we view it differently and we perceive it differently mm-hmm. and that's where i think people they get their emotions mixed in because he doesn't agree with what I think. Therefore, you're wrong and what I say is right. But they need to understand that one truth is not all of the truths. It goes back to elementary school where there's three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the real side. It just depends which way you're viewing it. 
I, I could just share with you the task and purpose inbox every now and then, and you could see exactly what you're talking about. Um, we've been accused of everything. People have calling us toilet paper, and uh, it really breaks our hearts, and you know, we cry for a while. But there's people <laughs> who get mad, and when I really confront them about it in a, an approachable way where I ask them, like, what's really wrong? Like, where, where do? Because if we ever misreport, of course we're going to take care of it. But it's always just someone really upset about the actual information that they're getting. And then because this information doesn't align with whatever narrative they hold of the world. And I can often, I'll be like, well, we also wrote this, this, and this. It counters that or balances it a bit. Um, yeah. and th- but they still get angry because we shouldn't have done the one, right? Which is, at that point, you can't win. So I try to kill them with kindness the best I can. But um, after a while, I just, it doesn't work. So I send memes, you know, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> memes are a great thing. Yep. Marty, memes you... You brought up a good point, though, because you think back to um, early television editing, you know, of uh, reality television. I'm going down that path, you know. So reality TV, you had the MTV where you had all these kids that would be there and they'd stay in a house and all kinds of crazy things. That's right. All kinds of crazy things would go on. And then after the show, they would be like, well, wait. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was portrayed there about me that's not actually true. I mean, I think they post-edited that that made me look bad. But to your point... It was truth. Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, talked about on uh, a Joe Rogan podcast one time about there's three different types of truth. There's objective truth, which is, you know, established by evidence like gravity is a truth like you cannot argue gravity. Right. Uh, There's personal truth, which is faith, which, you know, um, you cannot deny like it is a truth that I believe in God. You know, like that is a truth because it's a personal truth. And then there's political truths which happened through repetition, like, the, you know, if you say it enough times and it becomes um, something in the, in the public consciousness, that's now a truth. So there's three different types of truth. But I think that as it pertains to, to journalism, objective truth is the only one that really counts or should count, right? Um, yeah. You know, how they edit a reality TV show and, and having kind of seen how I've been edited on said TV shows, it's like there's definitely a difference between what you see and what the objective truth is yet what shows up on that tv screen is i guess what you call kind of like a political truth you know that is what happened on that tv show that is a fact is that what happened in real life no but that's the difference between those different types of truths yeah and i think there's a big difference between reality tv and obviously the news um except for right now just gonna should be i I was reality i was so disappointed in the major news networks when that entire uh, mall situation went down and marty we talked about it already a bit but um between that the kid and the activists and the whole group and the black israelites nobody took the time to let that sit for a minute and figure out more information because i remember when i saw it at first my gut reaction was like i'm gonna i'm gonna fix the world right now and post something about this um because the kid had a punchable face and i wanted to just i, I just didn't like his douchey face however I'm glad I didn't because there was a part of me that's like, it doesn't make sense. Why is a kid having a standoff on the mall? Adult. It just seemed something was weird. And then you find out later, the whole thing was bizarre and weird. And uh, it was blown way out of proportion. But it really did make me, I was disappointed because Task and Purpose didn't rush to report on that. Like Paul, our editor-in-chief, said, let's wait until we have more information because there's not enough right now to make a call. And you uh, think about what he did do. I mean, if you look at what his side of the perspective or those that were there or took other videos and stuff like that. I mean, this kid was trying to show some resolve and actually just smile. And when somebody uh, next to him tried to actually uh, confront the individual, he was like, no, let's not escalate it any further. You know, and so it was a very different picture that was portrayed post than what was going on during and I think um, that's that's a great exercise of what you're talking about. But when you have 24-hour news and there's a police car chase that's going on outside there, for the next 45 minutes, they're going to sit there and follow everything that's going on, make up things, try to find the neighbor who doesn't really know anything that's going on either, but get their opinion about the individual, the whole bit. All of this is all of a sudden being flooded into uh, people's homes and they're building opinions based on what they're watching uh happen right in front of them at that moment so it becomes reality tv at that moment yeah and i mean and i think that's why those influencers now have so much power because it's being tweeted as uh as you said earlier um you know you take one of eric's posts 
but you put your criticism on it now, and now that's a different twist. Of it's the context has changed. So you have all yeah. these influencers, even micro influencers. You don't have to have tens of thousands of followers. Yeah. Uh, hashtag micro influencer over here. Yeah, man. <laughs> little micro. Hashtag making up hashtags. I love it. And, <laughs> and that, could, that could be like the first movement of it, right? I mean, the Fire Festival doc, which was one of my favorite oh lines. Oh, my goodness. But all of it started with this orange square by a bunch of supermodels. And it was all brought yeah. down by a kid with like 194 followers with one tweet in one picture. So, like, everything changes with this mall situation because everybody started tweeting and making their assumptions now. And so then you get hungry news editors who are like, oh, this is viral. We put a post up now. Our traffic's going to go through the roof. Our advertising revenue goes up. Everything's good. Clickbait. Clickbait. Yep. Yeah. I think the thing that inspired this conversation, too, was uh, Task and Purpose Radio. You guys covered the the rage emotion and how – um, like our society now reacts quicker to rage and the initial tidbit as opposed to, oh, hey, here's what actually happened. And now we've got an apology on full facts and people are uh, I've already developed my my initial like reaction to this and I've already created my perception. And that's the reality that I know now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Like I, I personally run into that with my own reporting before where um so, like, when we went out to cover the Standing Rock pipeline protests and get, like, real, like, on-the-ground reporting done, people had Hardy at that point, kind of taken their position on it. They decided what they believed. And if you presented anything counter to that, then you were wrong. You were fake news. And despite the fact that the person telling you that hasn't left their house and, you know, yeah. I and the other reporters are out there, like, freezing our balls off on the plains in North Dakota in December, you know, to, to, to get at that truth. But that that's the thing is people make up their minds and they will then only share the things that confirm their, their predetermined or pre-established truth. Um, they don't want to hear about how they're, how they might be wrong. And like me personally, I love reading stuff that challenges my position on things. I love reading the stuff that makes me think a little bit deeper about a topic. Even if I don't change my mind, um, I don't think that there's any really, any other way to grow as a person unless you're constantly being challenged. I mean, we all served in the military. Like that's half the reason you grew in the military is because you had somebody telling you you were fucked up and here's how to be a better (laughs) soldier, ranger, green beret, whatever, you know, better floor mop or whatever. Like, uh, you know, like that's why it is. And and I think (laughs) I will be a better floor mopper. But you know, that that's kind of the reality of the day. I mean, I love the way you put that, but I also then start thinking about, um, the water cooler. I mean, even at the the workplace today, you can't have the casual conversation where people can reach uh, a middle ground or or whatever. It seems like it's one way or the other because of the perceptions that were created from social media or from the media or whatever the case, because they're not taking the time to do the due diligence or to go to the quality journalistic locations you know or types of things instead um, they they build it based off of them checking facebook in the morning and facebook news or off of twitter news you know or off my iphone i've swiped left and i can see everything that's going on and whatever happens to be there is what's uh, important to me at the moment and i think that's causing issues in the workplace as well uh, because as a society we are not learning to get along together we're we're trying to build walls and create ways to not challenge each other and find common ground, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, I agree with that. And I, and I kind of disagree because I, I push, I push boundaries. I definitely, do. uh, but we used to, Marty knows our last office. We used to share it with this company called fatherly and all of their, they, they are exactly what you are describing. I mean, even their senior leadership would have these whisper conversations about gossip in the uh, kitchen, which is like entirely inappropriate. And of course that spreads down. Um, but man, they hated me. They hated me, dude. Uh, and it's just it's because of these little things that I didn't realize were now <laughs> line crossers. <laughs> like on that note, I'll never forget coming back from Afghanistan with like all my stuff up into the task and purpose office. And I got like the dirtiest looks from the fatherly people of like, who's this guy with his tactical pants and his tactical bags? And- <laughs> <laughs> it's armor. You're just a bad boy coming in. Uh, but no, seriously, like, I mean, I. Just a quick thing was like they, we had two bathrooms. Uh, Marty's used them. He's a gentleman. 
And they, uh, these kids, they were kids. They were like 22 to 24. They would leave the door open after taking a dump. And it smells. It smells like shit when you do that. So that was really driving me nuts. So I put these signs on the doors. I thought all was good. And one of them came up to me and she goes, but now we won't know who's in the ba- if someone's in the bathroom. And I was already in an annoyed mood because I'm doing this. And I kind of went a little Marine Corps on her. But I was like, no, you absolutely can. You just knock. It's incredibly simple. And I like did a demo for her. And I was like, don't be scared. The world's not that terrifying and like all this stuff. And she like tattled on me to her boss. And he told, obviously, Zach Eskel, our founder, who was, you know, Marine and fought in Fallujah. he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to Pat, but I don't, it's not going to work. He doesn't care. Like, it's fine. But there are some of those boundaries. I will say, though, that um, the disagreement is I have found a lot of people in New York City of all places that are, once you have them in person in conversation, I don't think you get that same crazy dialogue that you get online because there's a human exactly yeah i mean i i've kind of like recently resolved to not debate people on the internet anymore it's like you can have a much more fruitful civil engaging conversation in person yeah because people aren't going to say the shit that they feel emboldened to say on the internet they're not going to say it to your face they're certainly not going to say it to a six foot five fucking 270 pound man uh, you know, 90% of the time anyways, you know, yeah. I can't speak for Pat. Pat seems like he could take me. But, um, <laughs> I put on my big boy pants. Yeah. But I mean, most of are not poop civil, you know, <laughs> no, I keep the poop, man. The poop is, um, the, that poop, at, the poop at boot camp was, uh, in my skivvy shorts. Uh, so the, <laughs> and, uh, just draw my second poop was my, definitely my, um, my, my digis. Uh, in country, so that was a different kind of poop, and my third poop was in some five elevens. So um, I guess yeah, I pooped in my pants twice. I pooped in some little silky baby shorts once. The fact that you've <laughs> actually made a record of this and can remember it is uh, astonishing. I, the, I would hope that you could remember every adult poop you've had. That <laughs> <was insane. laughs> like, I, because I'll tell you right now, man, when <laughs> when uh, you're just laying next to your bros in a tent in Iraq, and all of a sudden you wake up in a puddle of it, you you remember. You remember real quick, and uh, these are yeah. these are benchmarks. These ben- are important yeah, life benchmarks. benchmarks. Yeah. Same yeah. camp, man. Making that roundabout, pooping my pants, and uh, a dude coming up next to me, going, "Man, this island smells like diarrhea," and I couldn't help it. I snapped. I'm like, "It's me, motherfucker!" Like I shit myself. What do you want from me? Get away, <laughs> go. You know. And I, mean, uh, I, I also, I've never, I don't think I've pooped myself in the military, but I have been, you know, the cheese in a man sandwich, and uh, and peed myself just to stay warm and hopefully to keep the other guys that I was in said sandwich with warm as well. Um, you know, it's Georgia gets really though. cold in March still so, at night. Somehow we lost control of this whole thing and went way <laughs> off the grid here with the uh, pooping. Yeah, sorry. I think I scared away uh, uh, with my poop story. I think kind of back to topic. The reason why I made the video, I made a video today on Instagram where I acted like the poop story was some deep. Um, the life lesson that my drill instructor wanted me to learn. And no, it wasn't. He was just an asshole. But like the the reason I was doing that is I was kind of trying to make fun of all these personalities that are appearing now where they're given like these life lessons and all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah, do I, I have political beliefs and I have this and that, but I'm just like I'm half from Ranger up, I'm balding ginger. I don't have a degree in any of this stuff. It's not like my job, right? I make silly videos. So that's what I stick to. Like someone like Marty, who's an actual journalist writer that makes sense for Marty to have these type of opinions and put them out there in a different format. But that's actually, I was trying to mock those influencers because they're starting to drive me crazy that they are getting so much weight in power. And it is surprising me too, because every now and then there's people who don't realize I'm fucking joking and they support me. I never tell them like not to, but like God bless them. I was just talking to the guys over there at Dead Reckoning Collective about this very thing with regards to fl- influencers. And there's so many people that are like influencers and all this other nonsense, but it's based on vanity metrics solely and not really like what they're actually living. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that actually in, in a city like New York um, where there's so many people working on this. Sometimes I would go out and make a video for task and purpose where it's just me holding like a GoPro. And at first I was really insecure. I'm going to look like a weirdo, uh, mid thirties, you know, dude out there, like looking like I'm trying to be a blogger. Uh, but everyone in New York city is so used to it because it's everywhere. I actually fashion week is going on right now. And I was at an event and there's women who had assistants just taking photos of them for Instagram, obviously like later. It's High fashion. Yeah, it's a whole thing, man. It, it's like, but the, it's the problem it's is weird, right? It is, and I think it's going to burn out though because so many people are becoming quote unquote influencers that they're 
losing their value. Yeah, I mean, the self-proclaimed experts on everything. I, I'm like, dude, I, I'm I'm great at making mistakes, and that's about. I mean, I, what we do is what we do, and like influencers, we're all influencers, and you know what uh, what's measured has to be managed. Yes, and that that's actually why, um, in terms of that panel that we're going to be hosting, I've been getting more and more. Um, I know my friend Megan Mobs, who Marty's been on the podcast with in the past. She's awesome. Incredibly, she's super smart. Um, she's very well spoken, and she she's so good at taking these like PhD level Columbia ideas and, and bringing them down to normal table conversation. Um, but she gets so frustrated all the time, and she's it's rubbed off on me now, where I see that certain posts that military influencers do, while they may seem funny, are incredibly irresponsible and reckless to their followers. And what is promoting and what is pushing, um, and I don't think it's intentional. I don't think people do that. Like, oh, I'm gonna go promote alcoholism or, you know, make suicide seem awesome. Um, I think that, again, not intentional, but they do need to become aware of. I have 500,000 engaged followers who look up to me. Um, some of which their lives may not be great, and they live vicariously through me. And so I'm putting this out there. This isn't benefiting them, right? And this could create mm -hmm. problems. And I think that will start to change, but I think the military influencer side will be one of the last ones to change because we're such a unique niche. It survives longer than any other general influencer type um, would if they were putting out content like that. And it's easy to defend because you go, everybody says they're curing PTSD or they're stopping suicide, um, which is like, uh, where are the numbers? Can you show me your research? Can you show me your backup? Um, and that's something that Megan can speak to. I can't because she's an expert on that. But that's actually what inspired us to host this like panel with Burbas and get these guys up there um, to just talk about general responsibility. Obviously, we're not going there to call anyone out, but it's just try to talk about that space a bit. And I think it applies to every influencer market. I think what's interesting is, like you're saying, uh, you have to post so responsibly and you have to think about you know who exactly is looking up to you. But what, what we're seeing now, <clears throat> I think, is sort of a blending of art and news, you know, news is, is no longer, you know, somebody who is, has journalistic integrity and they're going to deliver you the facts, no matter what their personal opinion is. It's become sort of a performance art and our own lives have sort of become a performance art as well. So we're, you know, we're posting these things on social media or we're commenting on these things on social media and that doesn't reflect what's happening in our real lives. And I think that that's sort of where the, the mix up is happening, where, if we just opened the door and walked outside and actually interacted with your real community, you'd realize that whatever was happening, you know, across the country between two idiots arguing wouldn't matter to you. And this, this big news scandal in, you know, California or Florida or wherever it may be, it, it doesn't really affect you. And it doesn't, it's there to inform you of what's going on in your community or what could go on in your community, but it doesn't mean you need to take action. I think that we have too much opportunity and insight into things that don't affect our lives at all. And then we feel licensed to comment on them and to make a position on them. And then you put it down on your social media and it's written in stone. And I just wonder what, what are you really trying to accomplish there? You know, I think that's really interesting. And, and when you talk about like that difference between art and news and, and entertainment and news and how much that is blurred, um, you know, I feel like it used to be people were very clear about differentiating between those two categories. Like, even though they may both be talking about truths, like, like look at like NWA back in the late eighties, early nineties, right? Like they were rapping about their truth in South central LA. And you couldn't really say that they, you know, they weren't lying about their experiences. They were saying their truth that may not have been reflected for every community in the United States. That was truth. But nobody was saying, hey, those guys are journalists. Those guys are putting out the news. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's this today where it's like now, like if NWA was out there today on Instagram, it's like now they're news. No, they're yep. guys with an opinion. They're guys that are maybe talking about or, or, or editorializing on their experiences or their worldview. But that doesn't make it news. And people need to be conscious of the difference between those two things. Yeah, and I, I also think more people need to stop calling themselves journalists when they're not. Because I, I have seen that. <laughs> I've actually seen that in a lot of Instagram like uh, descriptions. Journalist. You're a blogger, bro. Like, you're not a journalist. Uh, Adam Linehan, one of, our, one of the best writers I've ever met, 
and I love his I love his writing. He he used to write for us, but he's since gone on to like way bigger things. Um, he he vented about that to me, just like the sacrifices he's made. And he was with Marty out in Standing Rock, like what Marty was speaking to, freezing their asses off, getting the story, putting it out there in a way that that tries to tell it with the most objective truth and also the experiences that they're having. Um, that's takes a lot of work and it sucks and it's not always fun and it is a like it's hard. And so all these people who think they're journalists, um, like they're not. And as he told me, he's like, more and more people believe that they are, that they're great writers and that they're great storytellers. He's like, you never hear people being like, oh, yeah, I could definitely shred guitar like like any any like Metallica. I could get up there and do that. They don't say that, but they say it about writing. They say it about journalism. Oh, I could tell that better. I could do that better. And they just don't know what it takes. Um, yeah, I would just like to see less people thinking that they're journalists. I never really thought about that a whole lot. Of course, I don't know that I've really... Notice that I'm going to start paying attention to that a lot more within the social media. Uh, or the new one being a content creator. Oh, is that a, another good one? Yeah, that's actually. I, I saw that last night. <laughs> uh, that one's always confused me, too, because like uh, Marty, Marty and myself and, and our friend, we've been in the content creation space, I guess you can call it for a while. You need a job, man, if that's what you're going to do. Like you need, right. you need a real job. You need to be doing that for someone for money. Um, yeah like legit because yeah i see that a lot too or i see visual storyteller has been popping up on facebook and i don't know where mm. that came from and it's <laughs> like it's people doing so like get an oer bullet for this yeah man it's like i don't know what it is it's like it's so a lot of it's bad some of it's really funny and it's great but like i don't know man it's it's uh or like tiktok this new app that's out where people lip sync and they call themselves comedians you're lip syncing man <laughs> you know, uh, Billy Vanilli was awesome at this. Then <laughs> didn't, didn't we used to call that karaoke? Yeah, right. No, they're doing professional <laughs> karaoke or not <laughs> on an app, and they think that they're comedian actors now, and that they are equal to Will Ferrell. You know, and they, they, if only they had the right break. You know, and I don't want to poop on anyone's dreams. I'm sounding like a real like curmudgeon on it, but and I mean, let's I mean, let's be fair too. I think that everybody does start somewhere. And mm. as far as when it comes to being a filmmaker or a journalist or any of these different subcategories of what all is ultimately content, like I, I would argue a journalist is a content creator. They are creating content, but it's mm. within the subcategory of journalism, which holds itself yes. to a higher standard than other subcategories. Um, that being said though, everybody does start somewhere. And a lot of times that journalist does have to start out writing for the blog or something like that to show they got the chops and, and things like that. It's not, you know, especially in the journalism space, like the, the local newspaper is dying in America. It's yeah. the, the normal hometown USA does not have their own newspaper anymore. And that used to be where journalists started. You know, you'd start there yeah. and work your way up and hopefully maybe someday down the line, you'd be at the times or the journal or, or something mm -hmm. like that. But like, it's not that when you now it's kind of like, you need to start with a blog or, or doing something like that. And I'm not, again, it's like this weird fine line. That's kind of, maybe it's not so fine. Maybe it's kind of this, you know, varying degrees of opacity sort of line of, you know, what is, you know, does, does it look like journalism? Does it feel like journalism or is somebody holding you to a standard? You know, if not, then maybe it's not journalism, whether it's on a blog or not, you know? Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know that there's, Certainly the new digital landscape that has made everything from publishing books to making movies to doing journalism more accessible to everybody. There's not the old gate. The gatekeepers that used to be there aren't there anymore because yes. of the digital world that we live in. That has made things very, very fuzzy. You know, um, I'm That's not sure that I have like a really good answer for that, but it is fuzzy. I think I always say, man, that like not everyone deserves a voice and I'm not talking about your First Amendment because that's not what the First Amendment means. But I mean, like, not everyone deserves these platforms that they've been platform yeah. growing. Um, because, like you just said, Mark, there used to be gatekeepers, right? Yeah. Like, Alex Jones was kept down for years before the internet. He's been out there in Austin doing that forever, walking around talking about chemicals turning the frogs gay and trying to get on like the news. And the news would always be like, "No, all right, God bless you, though. Here's some money." <laughs> now he he was able to create his own platform, and and honestly, he got way out of hand. And it became dangerous because the misinformation he was spreading, his crazy conspiracy theories, and the amount of friends that I have who were all of a sudden sharing Infowars. And I'm like, oh, man, he doesn't deserve this platform. Yeah. 
people who don't know what Infowars is, they just it's just a link that pops up in their news yep. feed. They see a title that probably agrees with maybe something they think, and yep. all of a sudden they're sharing it. They don't know that Alex Jones is behind it, but they're ipso facto creating a larger, giving him that larger platform by sharing that stuff. Yeah. And it's they, they don't even. It's the same way with like you know a lot of these media organizations that like Russian propaganda is behind of like. Hey, you don't even know that RT, like, oh, RT, it looks like a, you know, journalistic endeavor. Wow, it's run by the fucking Russian government. Like, we actually have Russian trolls on our site that we've, we flagged down uh, because they're bots, right? And they, they push a very conservative pro Russia agenda in their comments. They just try to create mayhem, is all they do. Um, It's, it hasn't happened in a little while, but we had our YouTube page taken down by them. Um, We put up like two stories on Russia after we, killed all those uh russian private military dudes in syria in syria yeah yep and they came out of nowhere man they just flooded the comments reported every video on our page um and then you you go online everyone's like oh it's not real russians aren't doing that no no they are man they're 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 dicks they're not our friends uh they're really now we're gonna have the miniature military page hacked down. So right. I, yeah. can, I can see yeah. it. But, <laughs> Russian bots. But this is <laughs> what's really. Yeah. I just want to remind Thanks everybody that you know those mysterious Chechens that run literally every target you ever went on. Supposedly, Chechnya is in Russia, so we've been fighting Russians for a while now. So, I mean, I never yeah. actually saw one of these supposed Chechens. <laughs> Paul, I think you well, and Nick maybe have had more real world experiences with them. I just remember during every briefing before every mission, it's like. We got supposed foreign fighters out here, diehard Chechens, so watch your back. And then it'd only just be a bunch of, you know. Yeah. Well, Putin doesn't I, mess with well, them. They're real. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're false. I'm just saying it. I didn't have any luck <laughs> on that fishing trip. Well, I remember talking to uh, my cadets uh, when the whole thing went down with Ukraine. And I was like, hey, boys and girls, let's take a look at, like, you know, the probability of, like, what's going on. Because – I haven't seen too many, you know, 20 to 30 somethings over in Ukraine planning to overtake uh, Ukraine itself. And these guys are pretty fit, too. And then, oh, by the way, most of Ukraine's military has been cut off from like real funding, except for when they've gone over to like Iraq, where they were watching uh, our base in particular on Camp Delta um, it, while I was there back in 2004, 2005. And I mean, like I was like sitting there, I'm like, you might want to put two and two together and think about the rhetoric that, you know, Putin was putting out and, you know, start connecting the dots. I was like, but, you know, I only stayed at the uh, Red Roof Inn one time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, actually to kind of circle back a little bit to Infowars and the, the journalism aspect, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter all made and YouTube made a massive decision to ban Infowars from their platforms, which was like a huge thing. And it made a lot of people think that was a first amendment infringement which it mm-hmm. technically is not it's not the government yeah. it's a private private company like you can't walk into mcdonald's and start screaming the n-word and expect not to get kicked out um so it was actually like that was the first time though that social media companies really kind of stepped up and started to say hey we have to be a little bit responsible about which quote-unquote news networks we allow um and it created some ugly but i'm i'm curious to see if they continue that practice and how that will affect the kind of the new boutique news platforms. Yeah, I'm curious as well. I feel like hopefully that's the the pendulum swinging back in the other direction. I think you have so much access to information and it's so hard to weed through and who has time to do it in their daily lives. And that's why these pundits are able to be so successful right now. A guy like Bill O'Reilly, he's not going to be successful in 1970 or 1980 because Mm -hmm. we have real journalists. And we have five news channels in the whole country. Now we have 20 news channels, and that's just on television. And we got 20 more on every platform you can imagine online. And so if I agree with Marty on the first five articles I read, I might just take for granted some of the other things he says. I might give him less scrutiny and just go along with it because I know my beliefs align. And I think that's happening on a larger scale. And I think that's why these pundits are able to create such a loud and loyal audience and, and why their audience then runs rampant on social media. You know, when you start looking at the different agencies or governing bodies that actually control some of this, whether it's in a space of, you know, different occupations or something along that line, there's always a group. And I'm not saying that 
we need more federal government interaction. Don't get that wrong. I, what I'm saying is there's usually uh, a a unity of these types of bodies like you're describing there that say, okay, we're just not going to stand for this anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to start holding ourselves to a higher standard. And um, so therefore those that start leaking out and information starts getting put out um, that's not quality, you're going to, you're going to know that that's not the good places to go to. So I don't know what governing body this might be or what kind of regulation could be established from, you know, starting with the media and those types of things. But it seems like then people might know that this is the good versus the bad, the places I should go and follow uh, good news because they do good journalism and, and do take the time and do the process and due diligence versus this side over here that are not part of that regulatory uh, regulatory uh, or that body, that governed body that goes out there and does stuff on their own? Uh, I, I don't know if I agree with having any sort of government organization that says what news is good or what news is bad. Um, not not government. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, I, no, yeah. no, I'm saying a governing well, body, meaning a, a peer you know, group, isn't there? Uh, the, yeah. The, you, uh, the news, God, I can't remember the name of them now. I think the problem with that, though, is that the U.S. population doesn't trust them. You know, like you have right now. There's always an agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like this war on media or whatnot. I mean, like even when the president was talking about the possibility of really going at like taking away some of the protections on journalists and news, like now they have to say the name of their sources. That was really dangerous to me, actually. That like freaked me out. That entire notion that takes away our freedom of press, um, which is one of the cornerstones of our democracy to have our press be able to to move freely have sources that they can keep anonymous and protect i mean journalists have died for that um and i think people forget that at times too there's a really powerful prison right now for that yeah and 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 there's a really powerful museum now in dc i went to it the uh the news newseum it's all about the press the first amendment like the history of it it's really powerful Uh, each floor has a theme but they have this huge wall just with the faces of Every journalist who's been killed over the last, like, it was like 100 years. And that's really powerful to look at because they were all killed doing the job, going out there. And I think people forget about them because it's not sexy. It's not something we think about. But they are really adding a huge value to the world, really, doing what they're doing and exposing what they're exposing. And right now it's happening in China with activists and journalist activists actively going against the communist government there, being in prison for it, beaten for it. And nobody, that's not popular here, though. Like nobody's talking about that because, you know, it's fake news and journalists are evil. Um, so I think finding that balance is going to be fine. Uh, I actually had um, I was last summer I went out to uh, uh, to an event in um, it was a large military event. I'm, I'm purposely being vague because I don't want to call, call out this specific person on a podcast. But I had somebody come up to me and they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's really cool that you're over here doing this. And like, you know, what are you doing it for? And. Or, or what do you do, you know, specifically? I'm like, oh, I'm a journalist, you know, out here trying to capture the story. And because we had a similar military background, he immediately was like, well, you're not a journalist. Like, saying it like, you're not one of those guys. And I'm like, no, yeah, I'm, like, full on, like, you know, <laughs> there's not a card to carry, but, like, if there was, I would be a card-carrying <laughs> journalist, you know? Like, and... uh and he was just like, well, you're not, you, but you're not like one of those journalists. I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're saying here. Like, <laughs> what does I, that I mean? If you went through every story that I've ever written, you'd probably find at least half of them that you thought I was an asshole. And the other half that you probably vehemently agree with. And that's probably how it should work if you're doing your job right. You know, you shouldn't agree with every single thing somebody comes up. Because, I mean, that that should be very rare, at least, right? That That you agree with every single thing that another person well, that's the reports or, or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, but it was just like, really like it showed the state of things of like, Oh, you know, I see you as this like cool down to earth guy that's out here, you know, enjoying things the same way that I am and ha- has a similar background as I do. So you couldn't possibly want to be one of those guys. It just, yeah, it, it was such a weird, odd situation to be in. Well, I think if you find yourself agreeing with something that with every single thing that somebody has written, you're listening to a pundit. That's mm-hmm. how you that's how, you know, you know, I think that the yeah. biggest takeaway is that the jur- journalism and journalists are not against us. They're not the enemy, you know, bad media. Yeah, that's a bad thing. But there, there was a time when journalistic integrity meant something. It was an oath. It was equivalent to the same kind of oath we took when we joined the military. Yes. And it meant that you were dedicated to the truth. And those guys are still out there. I mean, that's why you're on this show. 
you know, and it's it's hard in this day and age to seek that out and to to find these things that are actually these resources that are actually have some veracity to their claims and to their reporting. But it is out there, and I think the other thing is like there's just so much being reported. You know what really affects you, what really interests you. What I want to do is throw you guys an opportunity when people listen to the podcast, they may be looking at a way to find out you know more about task and purpose, as well as Marty, what you're doing. And so I'd like to give you guys an opportunity here to let folks know more about how they can locate you guys. Sure. Marty, you go ahead. Um, you can find me on all the social media platforms as at Marty Scovland Jr. Uh, have fun trying to figure out how to spell that. Um, uh, I'm currently at Black Rifle Coffee's online publication, coffeeordie.com. So Definitely go over there, check out some of the stories we're doing, and um, yeah, follow along with me on my journey from mediocre soldier to hopefully above average writer. <laughs> You're a fantastic writer, Marty. Very, <laughs> very slightly above average. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. your videos, too. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, a lot of good. Look at him, bashful and red face. For those of you who are just <laughs> listening, this is an audio show, of course. He's all it's right now, and he's he's feeling warm and cuddly. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, thank you for for having me on. That was re- it was really cool. Um, I'm at Task and Purpose. We're easy to find. It's Task and Purpose. Um, I'm Patrick T Baker on Instagram. If you want to go there and learn more about my motivational um, quips, I'm gonna start putting out more and more of those. Just uh, teaching everybody life lessons, um, how to be better. Um, and I guess that's it for me, but also, um, now that I know one of you are in the New York area, you have to come in, man, at some point, hang out. Um, we'll have you on our podcast, um, in person. I, all of you are more than welcome to come on the task and purpose podcast radio and, um, love you all so much. That's it. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you both coming on the show and everything and, uh, wish you nothing but the best, but, uh, we may have to have you guys both on for another topic later on in the future. Yeah. So don't be surprised if we don't reach back out to you again. Oh. And quick plug, all of you invited DC, uh, Burbiz, April 18th. We are hosting that panel. Um, the event itself is free. Three open bars. Um, we have Donnie O'Malley, Jack Mandeville, Angry Cops, um, Salty Soldier, a bunch of people on that panel, just to talk about the responsibility of social media influencers. Great. Good timing. Thanks for listening to the Mentors for Military podcast. Our goal each week is to bring you amazing content and guests. Support our podcast by visiting our Patreon site at www.patreon.com forward slash mentors, the number four M-I-L, to pick a tier that is right for you. Or donate any amount you like. It's that easy. You may even pick up some cool swag or have an opportunity to help us co-host an episode. Help us bring you an awesome episode each week by visiting patreon.com forward slash mentors for mil today.